Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, grab your Bibles and meet me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1194 in that Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are starting a new series today that we've called Spring Training, and uh, we didn't do a booklet, we didn't do a study guide to go along with this one, because we create those uh, for our life groups typically. Most of our life groups are wrapping up around this time of year, but uh, if you need to paper to take notes, there's a page on the pew in front of you as well. And so Spring Training is a term we borrowed uh, from the baseball world, and it doesn't usually happen in spring, it usually starts back in February, but uh, we are theoretically in springtime right now in Essex County, although our experience has not yet proven that. It is supposed to get up to 20 degrees Celsius this week. And uh, use Celsius because that is correct, and people who use Fahrenheit are wrong. There's actual booze as we get going in our new series. So spring training from the baseball world, after the winter, baseball wraps up their season in October uh, in the World Series, and then they've got a break, and then they got to get back in shape as they get ready to start the new season. And so they go, uh, in our case, Toronto Blue Jays will head someplace warm, and they will have some time just to uh, go through drills and to get back into shape and to try out new players and to try out new team strategies and chemistry, and there's games that, are, that don't count for anything in the series, but just give an opportunity to try stuff out, and the goal of it is, after the winter, we need to get back in shape because there's 162 games coming and we got to be in good shape to get ready for the season to start. So in real life, the baseball season has already started, but we're going to borrow this phrase as we uh, jump into this new series together. It has been said that on January 1st, as we make our New Year's resolu resolutions, the number one thing that people pick is something to do with their physical health. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to get off of sugar. I need to start exercising more, whatever it is. Uh, almost everybody makes that part of their resolution and and those resolutions are abandoned. 95% of them are given up by Valentine's Day. Within six weeks, we have given up our great new goals as we come out of the, you know, the chubbiness of the Christmas season to want to start off fresh in the new year. Uh, it's really hard to develop good physical habits. Uh, good physical habits can be really hard to form. And I'm going to show you a clip to demonstrate this from the TV show Parks and Rec, which is off the air now, but it was a comedy that was around for a number of years. And I think the only thing you need to know in this clip is that uh, one of the characters, Andy, is out of shape. He wants to be a cop. And so he goes to a couple of people who are in better shape to help him get into shape. And there is a man in his boxer shorts in this clip, just as a heads up. We don't want to be a stumbling block to any of the ladies, uh, which it won't be, as you will see in just a second. So not easy to get in shape. And the focus of our series isn't going to be physical shape, but we're going to be talking about how are we getting into spiritual shape? How are we doing in our spiritual walk with Jesus? And what can we do just to shapen up a little bit? And whether we have been walking with Jesus a short time or a long time, there is always deeper we can go. There are always more ways that we can grow. Uh, and there's a lot of connection between the physical and the spiritual in Scripture, as we will see today. By the way, not to get too meta on everybody here, but the actor who played that part, Chris Pratt, uh, for a lot of years looked like this and was always kind of the bumbling comedic sidekick, but this is what he looks like now. He has transformed himself into an action superstar, and so there is hope for all of us that we can 
If you live in Hollywood and have lots of money and free time, you can transform yourself and become a superstar. So we've named the series Spring Training, and the question, the challenge is, uh, what can we do to get more in spiritual shape? We're not going to focus on physical shape so much, but what can we do to get in shape spiritually? And just to kind of take stock of where are we at in our walk with Jesus, and what will it take to go to the next step, to go to the next level? It's going to be really practical. There's going to be lots of kind of tips and techniques, and uh, we're going to get into more specifics in the weeks to come. Today is a bit of an overview just as we launch this thing. So let's take a look at our text. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 4 page 1194 in the Pew Bible. And the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is Paul writing advice to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. Paul is encouraging him. This is how you should teach. This is how you should lead. And so he's been talking about all of these things so far in the book of 1 Timothy. And we're in chapter 4. Let's start in verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. So Paul and Timothy, uh, Paul is the apostle, obviously, and as he was going around sharing the gospel, uh, he, Timothy comes to Jesus through Paul's ministry, and Paul takes him on as kind of a spiritual son. It's not his literal father and son in this relationship, but uh, as a spiritual son, as a mentor, and Paul would invest a lot in Timothy. And as we understand from Scripture, Timothy would travel with Paul a lot on his missionary journeys, and then Timothy eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. That's the church that the book of Ephesians was written to in Scripture. And if you read about Ephesians, you get a sense of it from reading the book of Ephesians and also from reading 1 and 2 Timothy. The church at Ephesus was a pretty dysfunctional place. There was lots of problems going on. There's people problems. There's theological problems. And so Timothy, uh, who's a pretty new believer, he's a young man, and he's leading this church, uh, Paul writes him two letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and they're called what's part of the pastoral letters. And they are written just to encourage him in his pastoral role. Uh, Paul, who is an apostle who has been walking with Jesus longer, is trying to encourage Timothy. And so in those two books, First and Second Timothy, you get a lot of, uh, Timothy, here's some leadership advice, and here's some teaching advice, and here's uh, some advice on how to deal with that particular problem in your church. And, and so there's a lot of kind of fatherly wisdom being passed down. And in this particular part, these verses that we read about today, there's some very personal advice that's for Timothy. And of course, it's not just for Timothy. Uh, it can apply to all of us who walk with Jesus. But Paul writes to Timothy, and in verse 7, he says, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. And so godliness, as we talk about that term, we are talking about to, to look more like God, to live in the way of God, to form our life after God's word, to live in the example of Jesus, to grow in our spiritual walk, to grow in our connection with him. There's a lot of uh, ideas packed into that word godliness. And yet uh, there is a command also that puts some of this on us where Paul says, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. This is not just going to be a work that God does in your life. You train yourself to be godly. 
And there's a tension, there's a balance there that we need to figure out. Sometimes when it comes to our spiritual journey as we are looking at, well, how do I go deeper with God? How do I get the sin out of my life? How do I mature and grow in my faith? We can have a bit of a quick fix expectation because we believe in miracles. And so because we believe in miracles, we believe that if I, you know, want the sin out of my life, I can just pray and it'll go away right away. And that definitely does happen. We don't want to remove that as something we believe, that God can work very quickly. When I got saved, there were sins that left my life instantly, and I have never struggled with them again. And then there are others that 20 years later, I continue to wrestle with and grapple with, and I don't always know the why. My father uh, was struggling with alcohol in his life, and he would do pretty good during the week, but on the weekends he would drink a lot, and it, it really was growing into a, a big problem. And it got to the point where he was saying, I'm just kind of living through the week to get to my booze on the weekend, and I actually can't get through the weekend without alcohol. And the amount of alcohol was increasing. And so he began to realize, like, this is really starting to get its hooks in me. And so he came up to the altar one Sunday morning and said, uh, they had the prayer teams just like we have here, and said, I am really struggling with this. I want to be free from this. I need God's help. And so they prayed for him, and something broke in his life. And that was over 25 years ago, and he hasn't touched a drop since. And he doesn't miss it. He doesn't feel the pull. The Holy Spirit just did something miraculous in his life in that moment. And so we give glory to God for that. We don't want to take that away as a possibility. I will add, however, that most alcoholics that I have walked with in my years of ministry, that is not their experience. It is much more of a day-by-day, sacrificial, making good choices, getting better slowly, and as time goes on, they grow into this place of sobriety where they don't want it and they're not tempted by it anymore. So it doesn't always happen quickly. And so when Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly, that is what he is talking about, is that as we want to grow in our walk with Jesus, as we want to grow in our maturity, as we want to grow in our righteousness and our holiness, that there is a training involved. It's not always the quick fix, but there is a process of, of sacrifice and effort and self-denial and, and just labor that we bring to growing in our spiritual journey. And so if we were wanting to get into shape physically, we wouldn't typically say, you know what, I want to lose 10 pounds, so I'll come to the altar, they'll say a quick prayer, I'll wake up the next day, hey, whoa, my pants are a little looser. It's much more likely, if we want to lose some weight, that we're going to have to change our diet, we're going to have to start an exercise program, we're going to have to be intentional, we're going to have to be continual. And so we want to have that uh, just kind of in the back of our heads as we look at our spiritual lives, that Paul says, train yourself to be godly. It's not always going to be a quick fix, as much as we might prefer that. And so uh, just in our house, like physical health has always been a struggle for me. It has not been easy. Uh, I was always super jealous. My brother, uh, you know, he's 6'3", he's handsome, he's just long and lean. He doesn't try to stay in shape. Uh, for much of our lives, he would eat worse and exercise less than me and look amazing. And it's always like, you jerk, that's just, that's just not fair. And so it's always been tough for me. In the last year and a bit in our house, uh, we really have been working at this part of our lives and saying, you know what, I just want to try and eat better and get more exercise. And it's just, you know, physical change happens excruciatingly slowly. 
Uh, and I'm closing in on 40, and I'm going, this is a lot harder than it used to be. This is, it takes a lot more work for a lot less payoff than it did when I was 20. But there is an effort that is being made where we say, okay, I'm going to, you know, cut back on sugar and cut back on the junk, and I'm going to get out for exercise every day. And uh, it's not an instant transformation. It's a slow and steady transformation. But, you know, I'm working on training my body a little bit to be healthier. And on the flip side of that, that's what Paul is saying, train yourself in your spiritual side. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to continue to grow in your holiness and your righteousness. We get in physical shape through effort, and we get in spiritual shape through effort as well. And sometimes we don't like that word effort because we believe in grace so much. It's God's grace. I don't have to try. I don't have to, to do those things, but that's not really what grace is about. Dallas Willard, a Christian scholar, says this, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. It's opposed to earning in our standing with God. So grace says, yeah, I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to earn my salvation. I don't have to earn his favor. That's all given to me freely as a gift of grace. But that's not to say that there's not effort required in my relationship with him. If I got married and just said, you know what? I got the ring. I'm married. I don't have to try anymore because I'm married. You go, no, if you want your marriage to be strong, you invest time and effort in your marriage. I am saved by grace. Yeah, I guess theoretically you could say, I've got my salvation. I don't really need to go any further than that. I know I'm going to heaven. But if you want to grow in your maturity, if you want to grow in your connection to God, if you want to grow in your holiness, then there is some effort required in order to do that. There's kind of two extremes that we can swing back and forth in. One is we can kind of get into a couch potato mode. Uh, this would be all grace, right? It's all grace. I don't have to do anything because I'm just, I'm saved by grace and I'm changed by grace and it's all his grace and I don't have to lift a finger because his grace is always at work. And then the other extreme is no grace, but I am going to do it. I am going to accomplish my own holiness. I'm going to accomplish change in my life. I'm going to accomplish maturity. I'm going to accomplish understanding. And that's just exhausting to do that. And so there's two extremes here. And I, I've just noticed coming into the Mennonite world that the Mennonites probably lean a bit more towards that we're going to work really hard at this and make this happen. But I grew up in the Pentecostal world, which is more of the couch potato thing of we don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit just does it all. And we just have to enjoy what the Holy Spirit does. So those are the two extremes. We all probably land in between the two extremes somewhere. But I have just noticed, I think most of us lean one way or the other. And so do we lean more towards the I don't have to do anything? Or do we lean more towards the I'm going to make this happen myself? And, and how do we kind of bring some balance to that? It's not one or the other. We need both working together. And it's a little like trying to grow a plant where we understand that God is the one who makes life grow, Right? If I plant a seed, I can't make that plant grow. I can't make the roots come out. I can't make it bud and flourish and, and sprout fruit or flowers or whatever it is. Like, that's all God. God is the one who makes life happen. That being said, I can come alongside what God is doing. I can water the plant. I can weed the area. I can prune. I can put it in light. I can help take care of it. And that's what the spiritual life is really like. It's not God doing everything. It's not us doing everything. It is God doing a work in our lives to make us more like Jesus and us choosing that I will participate and partner with him as he does his work. There are things that I can do to contribute to my own spiritual growth. I can train myself to Towards godliness, even as I understand it is his spirit at work. And one of the ways we do this is what's sometimes called the spiritual disciplines. 
And I don't love that word, and I'll explain why in a second. But when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we are talking about basically different ways that we connect with God and different ways we live out the Christian life. And so we're talking about things like prayer. Uh, How is your prayer life? How is that connection time with God going? We're talking about scripture. How are you taking in scripture in your life? How are you engaging in community with other believers? How are you discerning his leading and hearing his voice? How are you doing in that area? How are you growing in your holiness and getting the sin out of your life? How are you getting purified and looking more like Jesus? And so there are a lot of things that are encapsulated in that term spiritual disciplines. But we're talking about basically how are you connecting with God? What is that looking like in your life? And the reason I don't like the the term disciplines is just because it can make it sound like work. And I think a lot of Christians do treat these things as work. It's not that I love prayer, I just know I should pray. It's not that I get tons out of my Bible reading, but the pastors keep telling me to read my Bible, and so I'm going to read my Bible because I'm supposed to. And it can kind of take on this chore mentality. And the difficult thing about anything in our life is that a chore, that's a, that's a chore, is that if we don't really want to do it, we'll find ways not to do it. If we don't really want to do that chore, it's pretty easy to find excuses to, oh, you know what, I'll cut the grass another day. It looks like it might rain in four hours, so we'll just to be safe, we just... We can find ways to talk our way out. And yet, if we don't look at these things as as chores, but if we look at them as these are actions, these are activities that bring me closer to Jesus. These are actions and activities uh, that, that we'll use the term discipline, not in the sense of they are work or that they are chores, but just they're disciplines in the sense of they just require some effort. They require some intentionality. So a decent picture is in our house, Uh, Sarah and I have date night on Friday night, and it never looks that pretty ever. But Friday night is date night in our house. And so the kids, we usually just do it at home. Uh, We're not billionaires going out every week, but we do it at home. The kids get dinner early, and uh, they get an iPad, they get a movie and popcorn, they get sent off to one of their rooms, and they have a great time uh, having a popcorn movie night. Uh, Sarah and I get a quiet house for a little bit, and we usually plan it out ahead of time. It's usually a bit more of a special dinner than we would normally make. We're not just chucking in frozen pizza, but we're going to make a nice, you know, roast or something. And uh, so someone has to make the plan, and someone has to do the shopping, someone has to do the cooking, and, and someone has to carve out the time to make sure that other things aren't infringing on that. But Friday night is date night. So in that sense, we have a discipline in our house of Friday night date night. And the word discipline maybe sounds like work, but it is effort required. We have to be intentional about it. It is easy for other things to try and take over our Friday nights. It is easy to not want to be bothered to go to the store and get the food. Like, it's easy for it not to happen. It requires some planning. It requires some effort to make sure that it happens. In that sense, it's like a discipline. But it's a discipline in the service of our relationship being stronger. And in that sense, it doesn't feel like work at all. In that sense, it is us making some effort and being intentional towards connecting on a deeper level so that our marriage can be strong. And so we make that effort because it's important to that. And if we can be viewing our prayer time, our Bible time, discernment, community, and these things not as spiritual chores that we need to check off the list, but if we can be viewing them as these are the ways in which we can connect to a life-giving relationship with Jesus— then the whole focus of the thing changes and it stops becoming uh, something that I should do and it starts becoming, it's something I look forward to like date night because I really value connecting with Jesus in that way. 
And it's in connecting with him, it's connecting with God that leads to our refreshing and our renewal and our transformation. God has all the power required to help us get out of our sin, to make us into new people, to renew our minds, to renew our hearts, to make us look more like him. All the power is there, it is available, it is promised to us. He wants us to have it. But we have to connect with that power in order for the power to be at work in our lives. And so when we talk about getting into spiritual shape and spiritual disciplines, what we're talking about is how are you connecting with Jesus in your life? How are you connecting with that power so that it can actually be at work in your life? It does take effort. Verse 8 of our text says, Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So physical training is good for this life. It is important. It helps us to live this life better. Being physically healthy is good and crucial. But this life we live, spoiler alert, will end someday. And eternity is way longer than any life we have here. So when I was in Sudbury, we had a guy in the church who was super athletic and fit. And he was always giving me advice. Uh, I didn't ask for it usually, but he gave it. And... So I was trying even then, okay, I'll try some things, and they didn't really work for me, and so I went back to him and said, like, yeah, the exercises you gave, they just, I didn't really like them, and they weren't really helpful for me. And he said, well, Chris, you know what? No matter what you do, you are going to die one day. And I thought, you're the worst motivator on earth. That's not helpful in any way. But that is essentially what Paul is just reminding us of, gently, is that, yeah, physical training, physical health is important, but spiritual health is a lot more important because eternity is going to last forever. And God is looking to build character and qualities in us that are going to last for all eternity. So we are told, train yourself to be godly. Bring some effort and intentionality to your spiritual walk so that you can become more like Jesus. Paul uses a few different pictures of this type of thing throughout Scripture um, and different pictures of the spiritual journey. Uh, it's like joining a family. It's like be re being reunited with your father. Like There's pictures like that, but there's a few physical ones as well. Uh, Paul says the spiritual journey is like being a soldier. He says it's like being a runner, this picture of like marathon running, that the spiritual journey is a long-distance thing. Uh, it's not a sprint. It is a long journey, and you need to be in good shape if you're going to finish the race. He uses the picture more generally of just like an Olympic athlete. Uh, and so the spiritual journey is like being a soldier, like being a marathon runner, like being an Olympic athlete. All of these things require some effort, right? Most of us could not get up and run a marathon right now. Uh, and if you can, you're the worst. These things require self-discipline. These things require commitment. These things require day-by-day uh, day making good choices about your, your fitness and your health, making good choices about your exercise. Uh, it requires really a lifelong commitment. If we're going to be a well-trained soldier or a well-trained run runner or a well-trained athlete, uh, we're talking about a lifestyle of physical health. And Paul says this is what the spiritual journey is like. It is like a life, making that level of commitment. It is a, a life of self-discipline and commitment and effort towards godliness. We can't just sit around and hope we'll get better. We can't just sit around and say God will do the work. We are to train ourselves to be godly. We are to participate in our own spiritual transformation. Paul wraps it up in verse 10 by saying, That is why we labor and strive. Those are words of work. Those are words of effort, right? He doesn't say, and that is why we sit around and just enjoy the grace of God. That's why we labor and strive. That's why we work at this spiritual journey, because we've put our hope in the living God 
who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. That Jesus has come to save everyone. Those who believe are the ones who have received that and understand that and walk in that. And so I sometimes talk to people who run. I hate running more than anything, uh, but people who run are just always trying to talk me into it. Runners are great evangelists for running. They just are always trying to talk others into running with them. And I've never really been able to be won over to that particular exercise. But uh, the thing about running, and I've been told this very clearly, talk about runner's high and different things, that when you start to run, it feels awful. Right? Like that clip we saw. Where the first time you go for a run, it's just the worst ever. I never get past that particular stage. <laughs> it's the worst. And then you do it a little more, and then, oh, you start to, your heart rate starts to change, and you start, your body starts to adjust, the muscles start to build, and then you do it more, and it becomes something that actually is enjoyable, apparently. And it becomes something that you actually look forward to and get excited about. And then eventually it becomes something where if you miss a day, you really miss the fact that you didn't get to do your exercise. It has become so much a part of you that you really notice the difference in a negative way when you don't do it. So the runners are always telling me, just push past the terribleness for the first while because it gets so much better. It gets so much easier. It gets so much more rewarding. And my contention is the spiritual life is exactly the same way. It can be really hard to build good physical habits. It can be really hard to build good spiritual habits. And just as people often make a New Year's resolution of, I'm going to get in shape, people will also, Christians, will make New Year's resolutions of, well, I want to read my Bible more, or I want to pray more. And those also get abandoned by Valentine's Day. Good habits can be hard to form. But just as we sometimes say, well, I'll, I'll get into this good Bible habit or this good accountability habit, and it's easy to dismiss those things. If we can push past the bumpy part of that, it gets so good in your spiritual life. If you can build a thriving prayer life, if you can build a good Bible routine, if you can build a good sense of community, if you can learn how to hear God's voice and how to walk out his will, if you can work at getting the sin out of your life, if you can connect with God, in the way that you are wired to connect with God, if you can push past the bumpy opening part, it gets so good. I can say that with authority about the spiritual life and not at all with authority about the running life. But if we can push past that, there is so much good stuff there. A supermodel said this phrase, Weight Watchers used it uh, as a slogan for a while, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Do you remember that one? Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And most of us went, bacon, cheesecake, lots of things. <laughs> lots of things are pretty good. But nothing tastes as good as, as being physically healthy, obviously, is the point. And, and I would throw out, just to take that a step further, there is nothing in life, there is nothing on earth that is better than being in a close, connected relationship with Jesus where you know his presence, where you know his voice, where you know he is at work in you, where he is leading you into holiness, where he is speaking to you, and you are learning how to hear that and respond to that, where his word is jumping off the page at you and teaching you things about who he is. There's nothing like it anywhere on earth. There is no problem that is nearly as big when you are in that level of connection with Jesus. And not that the problems aren't there, but the peace and the faith and the hope and the joy that are there when you walk that closely to Jesus make everything else so much easier. And what we're going to talk about in the next number of weeks is how we can get there, how all of us can go deeper in that area as we get into spiritual shape. So if we were to ask today, if you look at your physical health and were to say, what's a good next step in my physical health? 
Uh, we're probably not going to get up and run a marathon right now, and that would be unreasonable to expect. But wherever you're at, what's a good next step in your physical health? It probably wouldn't be that hard to come up with an answer, right? We'd say, like, well, I could stand to lose a few pounds, or I could stand to, to exercise a bit more, or maybe I need to cut back on sugar or whatever. It wouldn't be that hard to come up with it. And I want that to be our question when it comes to our spiritual life. If you needed to take a step to getting spiritually stronger, to getting more into spiritual shape, to have your relationship with Jesus be stronger, what would that step be? And you don't need to have an answer right now, because we're going to answer it throughout the series, but what would a good next step in your spiritual life be? Maybe it's, I need to work on my prayer life, or maybe I need to work on my Bible time, or maybe there's a sin here that's nagging that I'm not really getting out of my life, and I need to work on that. There's a, a lot of different answers it could be, but what would a next step be towards growing in our spiritual health? Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. We have an email address. It's in your bulletin uh, as well as up on the screen. Questions at meadowbrook.ca. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts about the message today, we'd love to keep chatting about it. Uh, we can grab a coffee. We can do whatever. Uh, but please feel free to use that. So train yourself to be godly. Paul writes to Timothy, and not just to Timothy, but for us as well. Train yourself to be godly. You have a role to play in your spiritual growth and maturity. And we're going to take the next number of weeks to talk about that. But let's be praying into this. Please join us in that as we pray about, all right, what does a next step look like for me? What does it look like? For me to go deeper with Jesus? What does it look like for me to draw closer to him? What does it look like for me to be more righteous? You can start to pray and process this. And then in the weeks to come, we're going to get just very practical. Uh, here's how we can engage in prayer. Here's how we can engage in scripture. Here's how we can hear his voice. And we're really going to focus on just the very practical reality of that as we look to everybody getting deeper, going further, maturing more, participating and training ourselves in order to be godly. We're going to spend a bit of time in worship before we go. Would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to wrap up today? Heavenly Father, may our delight be found in you, Lord. Um, may the words, there is no one else for me, uh, ring true in our lives, God. May we live like that is true, God, that you are all that we need. Father, you are where we draw our strength from. You are our hope, God. You are the reason that we are here. So, Lord, we just ask that as we leave this place this morning, that you would convict us, Lord, that we would take a look at our hearts because you have called us to a higher standard of living, Lord, that you have, you have you've given us your word, God, that we can use um, to train, Lord. And the only way we can do that is through perseverance and endurance, Lord. So we just ask for that as we leave this place, that you would give us a hunger and a desire, Lord, um, to live for more than just ourselves, God, but to be mindful of what you have for us, because these lives we have are not ours, Lord, they are yours. So we ask that we would honor you in everything we do as we leave this place this morning. In your heavenly and holy name, amen. Just before we leave this morning, our prayer team is going to be up at the front. Um, if you are needing prayer or wanting prayer, please, I encourage you to come forward and let us pray over you. Um, if not, I just ask that you visit outside in the lobby or in the cafe. Have a good Sunday, everyone.